Our world is dying, politicians are lying, and just when you feel like crying, sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves. Would you would you like to go first? Me? Yes, yes I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm Evie, and we are the hosts of the podcast. For those of you who don't know, The Poodcast is a podcast on a mission to learn about the lives of those living with bowel and bladder conditions, whilst sharing a shitty story or two along the way. And a lot of the time, our own. Yeah, they do tend to be our own, don't they? We should really get that checked. <laughs> well, although this week uh, we're taking a slightly different approach because our focus is on urology, which is something mm-hmm. that I don't really know that much about, but I do You're have lots learn. of questions good um Very so good. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that um so maybe i should ask you about how your urethra Frank- franklin is and how you wheeze <laughs> bean and 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 we'll also your how's your bum, bum and tum. tum yeah okay well um do you know what i'm very happy to say cystitis check is doing well Fantastic. I feel like you've not had cystitis for a while. For a while. I mean, for those of our regular listeners, you will know it's not been great at times. But since I've been on this D-Manos tablets... Interesting. Very good. Really? I'm enjoying it. And maybe it's also because I'm feeling a little bit less stressed in general because the sun is here and that makes everyone happier. It Actually, no, that's a lie. The sun makes me stressed, so that that can't be what it is. Yeah, but you're getting vitamin D, aren't you? vitamin d rather than just way. living under the under the stairs like winter <laughs> like little harry potter um so no so that's been good so that's that's actually been under wraps Fantastic. bum and tum has been has been okay i've been i think Great. as well with summer i don't know about other people but i tend to just eat better in general i eat better foods which yeah, seems to affect pay. obviously helps my ibs out a lot so that's been good but i seem to have got a cold in the <laughs> hottest week of the year so far don't know how that happened. That's very classic little ginger lifestyle that I lead. Is it off one but of the I... kids? No, because I've been on I've been on school holidays. So I literally, oh. there is no reason for me to have a cold. I don't know how it's happened. Weak character. This is my I reaction. Reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Vulnerable personality. Um, but <laughs> I did actually want to talk to you about something that did happen to me this week involving Ooh. a toilet. What's that? So I went to a pub. Yay for that happening again. Fab. So I went to a pub. And needed to go to the toilet. And I go in and on my way to the toilet is a little book swap scenario. Oh, I love those. You've seen these? Yeah. It's great. And I'm a big bookworm. So I, I literally was went beelined, went straight over to it and got lost. Found a Jodie Pickle, found an old Game of Thrones one, was just in it, in it, in it. And all the while I was doing it, I could hear this tap dripping. I'm thinking to myself, it's a bit annoying. Let's conserve water. Let's save the planet but I soldiered on and kept looking through, looking through. And then I just heard this, <clears throat> and I look up. And so this book swap corner is essentially in the men's toilets. Oh. Like, it's, <laughs> it. there was no real wall. And it was kind of almost like there was a half wall. And that half wall was the bookshelf. Do you think and that it was, was what for, was stopping the men? Me. Because... Because, you know, as we've spoken about many times on this podcast, there is a lot of sort of um, gender-focused toilet entitlement and the book corner knows that the men are going to take longer the toilet because they don't, you know, they don't need to get back anytime soon. They can While the women are queuing, you mean, yeah, they can 100%. they can stand and read. Yeah. Potentially. So maybe they were lined up outside for them to Well, maybe. In. 
But either way, it's incredibly misleading for those of us that, you know, it's like when your eyes are bigger than your stomach, wherever they say, I see a book, I run over. And when I looked up from hearing this person cough, I locked eyes with a man who was weeing at the urinal. And he smiled at me as if to say enjoy your reading and I dropped the book and I ran away like a six-year-old child I just (laughs) I was I just wasn't I wasn't ready for it and then I was so worried that he thought that I was maybe reading the book to entice him some sort of sexy book yes I the beast well yeah the the princess that gets everybody going the librarian so I don't know but that was my toilet encounter this week and it's it shook me up a little bit I won't lie to you I want to know his motivations for the smile I don't Maybe know. he I had don't enjoyed want... the book corner himself and saw somebody else taking a book. Maybe thought, oh, it was great. his book. Maybe, Maybe it was his book. Maybe that was the one he left behind. He thought she'd be swapping. I've done good today. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I but think that way, whole thing, the layout needs to be rethought completely. Well, that's the main thing. And I do think if I go back to that pub, I will be speaking to the man and just work out the feng shui scenario here. Because... If there's going to be a book corner, we should have one in the women's toilets as well. At least let's share it out. Yeah, yeah. Or let's just put it in a corridor or in a public space where people don't get out their genitalia. So one or the other, I'm willing to work whatever whatever works. I do think that's a a common problem in the pubs, that the men's toilets just seem to sort of open off the main room and, and none of the men seem bothered about that. They can't handle and taking just, too long. You walk past it and it smells terrible. And... They're unzipping before they even get oh in there. Oh my God, the worst. Or recently I had an experience. I think it was like toilets next to a beach, but it was like a public toilet, gender neutral public toilets. And mm. I pushed open a cubicle door and a, a man who'd not l- locked the door went, do you mind? And slammed the door back in my face and then walked out and didn't even flush. I was like, not one well, single thing that you did there was right. If you're going to go into a cubicle, <laughs> don't kick off if you leave it open. Like, I'm going to look and see if they're free. I'm just going to assume that you're in there. And he, like, really kicked off. And I was like, ah, they're not used to locking the doors behind them when they go for a week. No, they're not. In a urinal. Those poor little darlings. We really should help them. It Ooh. always comes back to this for me, doesn't it? I always yeah, get cross about men in toilets. You do. We've been here before, and you do do your little hand slam on the table every time. <sighs> Just we really need to start like, an outreach program. Do you mind? Why don't you learn to lock a door, you imbecile? <laughs> that was maybe a bit harsh. But... Well, to simmer you down, how yeah. is your bum and tum? How's your bladder? How's your urethra? How's your general self? Thanks. Well, actually, I think you're probably right. It will simmer me down because it's been a humbling experience. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I shit myself. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, oh shit! Yeah, it's the yeah, it's the first time I've done it in a while. Fortunately, for those of you who um, didn't listen to last week's episode, I am currently isolating. Got a notification from the track and trace system. Had to isolate at home. Fine, because if I do shit myself, it's okay. I'm at home. Okay, we're gonna go down that. <laughs> that's yeah. So we'll just fine. start there. I just wanted to say that's your validation to everyone. And- it's okay. Don't worry. It's fine. So okay. I shit myself. I was at home, but I'll tell you why I shit myself. And it's like I never learn. I was feeling a bit sorry for myself. Um, so I went onto the brownie website. Brownie and website. I ordered more more brownies for myself. More okay. gluten-free brownies. But they're not going to arrive until Wednesday. And I ordered them on Friday. Okay. And I just thought this isn't... It's not happening soon enough. So I made myself um, a, a loaf, a, a, a French toast loaf, which like really nice. buttery, cinnamon, you know, fried on either side, bit of cream, bit of blueberries, fantastic. Yeah. The, the recipe I did, though, had eight eggs in it. 
for one eight. loaf. Eight eggs in one loaf. I don't think that's right, sweetheart. No, it is, yeah. Because it's like it's is like it? no flour. And they okay. use like cream cheese and eggs instead to make it gluten-free. And I didn't have any almond flour in. And I obviously couldn't go out and get any. My boyfriend was at work, but I did have eggs. So I found this recipe, which used eight eggs. And I, I think both you and I don't sit super well with eggs. It's not, no, it doesn't don't. go down at all. I could have no. like one egg or two that's been like in a big cake. So you're having one slice, so it's a small percentage. Like two yeah. scrambled eggs on toast you know game over right the rest of the day off absolutely Um, so I made this french toast loaf and I had like a slice and I was like fucking hell I feel sick and then I had another one because I just it tasted so great and then that usually helps if you continue to eat yeah I just thought let's really go out and see what happens yeah 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 and I was like I I didn't feel unwell I felt fine but I had really bad diarrhea terrible 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 took some buscapan had a bit of a modium and then it was a lot of wind, um, but, you know, nothing else. So, you know, <laughs> we've all done it. I trusted a fart, and I shouldn't have. And I had to shuffle from the from the sofa to the bathroom, and I thought, do you know what? I'm at home. Let's not worry it's about okay. it. It's a lesson learned. I'm at home. Nothing lost, nothing gained. <laughs> <laughs> I can't well, believe I mean, I'm telling that story. Considering the stories that get sent into us from our lovely listeners... Yeah, that is that fine. is barely even yeah. on the scale of embarrassing yeah. poo stories. I was I was cross with myself because I knew it was going to happen because I've done that exact almost that exact thing before with the same recipe loaf. I know it right, doesn't so sit well. This is me. entirely self inflicted. Yeah, yeah, there should 100%. be no feeling sorry for you whatsoever. Yeah, no. I just think now, come on, no, no, no to the eggs for me. That's it. I've really truly learnt my lesson. It's a hard no to eggs. Congratulations. You finally graduated from the school of life. <laughs> Thank you. Permission to discuss condition. So this week, our guest is joining us from across the pond. She is the brilliant Dr. Fenoir Millhouse. Fenoir is a board certified urologist who specialises in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. And lucky for us all, she has also taken to social media to educate and inform her followers, not only on urological health, but on black history and modern day racism within medicine. As her branded socks will tell you, you're in good hands. Did that come across? You're in that. It, it, it reads on the on radio, right? You're in good hands. You got the joke. Yeah. Okay. We, we're good. We're I good. We've hammered that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're in good hands with everyone's hashtag favorite urologist. Welcome, Fedwa. How are you doing? How's your bum and tum? I'm doing beautiful. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you, Evie. My bum and tum right now are behaving a little bit. Good. So, <laughs> but we know that they can misbehave. And oh, yeah. um, I love this. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. This energy and um, just lightheartedness about things that are so embarrassing is exactly what I do every day in practice so this that's is how we found you yeah. <laughs> we always find the people that yes. just love embarrassing themselves online with bodily functions we yes just love it yes yes <laughs> i'm your i'm your woman for sure <laughs> <laughs> so fenwa can you tell us a bit about the field of urology we haven't hugely touched on this yet and and how you got into the field yeah so urology is a surgical subspecialty we deal with the urinary tract urinary system so the part of the body that makes urine and uh, stores it and expels it so kidneys 
uh, ureters, which connect the kidney to the bladder, um, uh, the bladder itself, and the urethra, where we pee out of. Um, mm -hmm. All genders have a urinary tract, so we treat all genders. And we also do treat male reproductive system issues. Um, some of us, some uh, public will liken us to like the male gynecologist, but again, it, we do treat all genders, women, men, and everybody in between. Um, we are surgical subspecialty because we do surgeries to help treat conditions. Now we don't always do surgery. There are plenty of conditions that we treat that don't require surgery. So we spend about half the time doing operations and half the time seeing patients in, in the clinic, treating them with non-surgical options, medications, behavioral changes, et cetera. Um, I had no idea what a urologist was. Um, until I, I didn't, I had like literally found out the first week in medical school when everybody's starting and everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to be a radiologist. Yeah, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgery surgeon. Somebody said, I'm going to be a urologist. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds dope. And, <laughs> and I had to go Good back. luck. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? I, said, so I, had, to, I had to go Google it. Um, on my like desktop at the time, cause this was a while ago. So it was like, you know, I had to go in, we know when we didn't have like a smartphone either. I don't think I had like, a smartphone. Ask Jeeves, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like Yahoo or I don't even know if Google was like a thing. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm old, but, um, so yeah. And I found out like, Oh, this is what it is. I was like, that doesn't sound like anything that I want to do. Um, cross that off my list because I was one of the people that I had no idea what I wanted to do, you know, when I got to medical school. So anyway, um, and the main reason why I crossed it off was, well, a couple reasons. One, I did not think I had any of the skills to become a surgeon. I was klutzy growing up. I did not, I was like, not, I was smart, but I didn't think I was that smart, quote unquote, um, to be a, a big, you know, bad surgeon. I didn't have the personality, quote unquote, as a surgeon. I was really fun and lighthearted and laid back and surgeons were serious and intimidating and yeah. um, like not happy people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then most importantly, this, you know, I didn't see anybody that looked like me that was in that field at all, a, a black urologist, a woman urologist, and then a black woman urologist. I mean, that's where they, where are they? Um, and so it just did not even click in my, um, thought process. Um, and, um, and I, so I crossed it off and didn't think anything of it until I met a black woman urologist. We were actually sitting in class and the next lecture was from your, was a 10 minute lecture about urology. And I was packing up my things to go and skip that lecture. Cause I was like, oh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and in walks this black woman who's announces herself as Dr. Wesney, who's the urologist who's here to talk. And I am like, just in awe. In fact, my friend, my girlfriend next to me, she uh, was also black. She goes, she's like, we're like tapping each other. Like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's exciting when you get a lecturer from um, a black person um, who yeah. looks like you. And yeah. now they're the urologist too. I was absolutely amazed by her. And, you know, there's, they're just so everybody knows 8% of women 
are urologists. Um, 2% of urologists are black, leaving about less than 1% of urologists black women. So it was, um, I didn't even know those numbers, but I are, I already knew that the numbers were like super, super slim. Oh my um, so anyway, I won't bore your audience anymore, but that's how I became no, to be that's so interesting. a urologist. And I love what I do. I l- truly, truly, truly found my passion. And I say this all over my page all the time. Whenever anybody asks me about this and representation matters it literally changed my life representation truly changed my life so yeah it's it's so um wonderful as well to be able to pinpoint a specific person that was that representation to you when you you saw yourself and you know you were able to recognize like oh well I can definitely do that as well and it's so amazing to be able to pinpoint it to a a particular moment um so what was it that you kind of um really were drawn to when you when you kind of decided you wanted to do urology what what specifically was it that was engaging you so much well so I obviously felt uh, like drawn by this person but that wasn't what made my decision right one person doesn't say hey I'm gonna (laughs) I'm in I'm signed up I mean maybe but the rest of your life so yes it was (laughs) first of all I found out that oh well they get to like talk to patients about these personal bodily functions and things Mm -hmm. that people don't ordinarily share with anybody, even their loved ones. And we get to be the people that they get to share it with. And so I liked that idea of like being able to help people with these, like, you know, like people could talk about their heart and their lungs and, you know, their this and that like freely, but it's like, oh, let me talk to you talk to me about like how you're peeing and your erections and your this and that. Um, And so I liked that idea. I liked the surgeries that we did. You know, we did a lot of cool reconstructive surgeries where we get to like reconstruct the urethra or in women, we get to reconstruct their pelvic floor um, or their bladders and cancer and all this. and, and, And at the time too, urology was pioneering robotic surgery robotic surgery is now really like widely adopted in in a lot of surgical specialties but urology is like one of the earliest specialties to really embrace robotic surgery where we get to use a robot to do surgery and so i got to like yeah i got to um see that early on in medical school when i you know uh was uh rotating on urology so that was cool and you know what it seems small like as a probably as a patient or a public or non-medical, but the personalities make a huge difference. You know, you're about to, you know, do something for the rest of your life. If most of the personalities and I, and I, it's not meant to be general generalized, but if most of the personalities are kind of like just really serious and just always stressed and always angry, that's not a field that seems warm and fuzzy, but urologists tend to be, you know, happy, like what they do, kind of silly, funny, can take themselves, you know, can, you know, don't take themselves seriously. They like to talk about it, as you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, so this was great for me because I was all those things. (laughs) (laughs) And do you think there's like a common denominator between the people it attracts? Why do you think everybody, is it just because they just love it? I do think there's some sort of denominator. I mean, if you ask 10 urologists, they'll tell you like, yeah, there's like a personality to us that we have. Like we (laughs) tend to be like, you know, kind of, listen, there's plenty of us that are like awkward or that weren't like the cool kids or whatever. But in the end, like when we're in this field, like when we just, it's, we deal with so much like 
there's never a dull day in urology. We deal with so many like, I hate to say embarrassing, but so many like personal things. And you have to know how to talk to patients and make them feel comfortable to talk about this. And so I think you learn to be that kind of that kind of open book laid back don't take yourself seriously because that's how you get people to open up and so that's where that even that personality even tends to grow i've just got this image of like the medical party at a disco but the all the urologists are on the karaoke or like on the dance and i was like oh these guys again for god's sake (laughs) that's totally true like if there was like this medical disco the urologist would definitely be out there like doing something ratchet or like (laughs) karaoke or being loud (laughs) i love it well we need to organize this party this disco will happen yeah absolutely (laughs) so in the clinic or in the surgery what are the most common procedures or conditions that you guys deal with on a day-to-day basis so um most common conditions in urology in general number one kidney stones um that is extremely common um another common thing is recurrent bladder infections or urinary tract infections particularly amongst our women patients um we deal with um, a lot of sexual dysfunction. As urologists, we are trained to deal with male sexual dysfunction. That's So that's your erectile dysfunction, your um, premature ejaculation or, you know, come too fast, um, your, your low uh, libido or low testosterone. Now, a few urologists actually will also deal with female, dysfun- female sexual dysfunction. It's a female sexual dysfunction is... Um, it's not like it's it, it's still growing. And so um, some of us in urology, including myself, have learned to, because we treat a lot of women in, in my, uh, uh, potentially in our practice, we have, we're like, we can't just treat the men, we gotta treat the women too. Yeah. Um, and then also we deal with the uh, famous prostate and all the issues that it may bring. Prostate issues in men are very common, prostate cancer, um, and so we treat that in my practice in particular, I am a female pelvic medicine, um, and reconstructive urologist. So I did urology residency, but did a fellowship or extra special training, a subspecialty, what we call in female pelvic medicine, reconstructive surgery. So I would say about 90, 80 to 90% of my patients are women. And so I really deal with a lot of I deal with a lot of UTIs, recurrent UTIs. Mm-hmm. I deal with a, a bunch of bladder pain, cystitis. You mentioned cystitis. Deal with mm-hmm. a bunch of bladder pain, interstitial cystitis spectrum. I deal with um, uh, I, I deal with a lot of like what we call prolapse, which is where things are falling down out of your vagina, um, and we I need to put things back together. Um, uh, and um, in my men, again, it's very common, like the sexual dysfunction, a lot of incontinence in both genders. So I'm a big incontinence specialist, you know, which is basically where you unintentionally lo- uh, lose urine, leak urine, have accidents, those type of things. So deal with a lot of that. Fantastic. And and what kind of um, what kind of treatments do you offer? Um, are the, are, and, and these conditions, are they things that you think that you can cure or are they things to be managed or is there sometimes nothing that you can do? Um, yeah, what what is kind of like a life in treatment like? Yeah, so I like how you said cure versus manage. And I do try to, I do try to bring that out and state that with my patients. A lot of these things are managed 
conditions, not necessarily mm-hmm. cured conditions, um, particularly when we're talking about um, incontinence, bladder pain or interstitial cystitis, UTIs. These are all managed conditions. There's no one thing typically that can cure by and never see you again. So I think setting that up helps patients, but um, some depending on the scenario and there's all sorts of different um, types of incontinence, for instance, and stuff like that. It may be a non-surgical treatment where we're managing your behavioral cha- your behavioral um, things or medicines that we're trying or exercises or sending you to physical therapy, or it might be a surgical treatment where I'm able to do some sort of operation to help get you a uh, better quality of life. Um, I love doing operations for incontinence, operations for prolapse, um, um, and reconstructing just the the pelvic floor of women. Um, so I do, there, there's plenty of that. I love restoring, um, erectile function in men. Um, if you know, once they've, sometimes they fail medications and they'll fail other things. And then we have to, we can do a surgery that can help them get, um, some erectile function in the form of a artificial prosthesis, uh, penile prosthesis that helps them get an erect penis. So these are the quality I do all like, virtually all of my surgeries for the most part said, you know, a good 75% or more are quality of life surgeries. Um, I'm not curing. I'm not like, well, I guess I'm curing cancer. I do some cancer stuff, but I'm not like, <laughs> Own it. I mean, I'm doing brain <laughs> surgery here, but what the work I'm doing is super important because it's what every person has to live with. Um, so I love, I love that I get to restore quality of life in patients. And do you then get to hear back from your patients after after you've made this life change for them? I do. I do get to hear back from the patients. And I love it when a patient's like, you've changed my life. You've given me my life back. Like, you know, I I forgot how how good it was before. I I did a video on my page about this. Like whenever I see a patient that's happy after I've done surgery, like I do a dance in my head. And and, and literally I am, I'm like, I'm just, you know, doing a little dance in my head because I'm just so happy. Um, That's that's amazing. And that kind of makes sense to me as well about the personalities because obviously you're serious enough because you are trying to improve people's quality of life, but it's not so serious that in the moment it's life or death. You need to be able to talk to people and improve their life. And like, that is such a, um, a positive and helpful change. It doesn't surprise me that people in your field are outgoing and, and good with people and great social skills. That That is yes. Yes. amazing. Um, Thank you. Is there anything that you think uh, you haven't seen? Is there anything... Um, that you've only seen once or tw- twice and or, or anything that you've kind of been like flummoxed by and thought, God, yeah, I've got no idea what this is. Yeah. So one time I was on call and you learn about this in residency, but you don't ever like care to see it or whatever. But I got a call that uh, a patient had uh, self amputated their penis. Fuck. And oh, yeah. Know. And I was like, my initial reaction was like, well, okay. So The patient had self-amputated the penis uh, two days ago, okay? So it wasn't just new. And I I think if it was new, I'd still be like, uh, call somebody else. Call the real doctor. (laughs) I've I've gone home. (laughs) I've gone home. No, thank you. Yeah, thanks. But I literally said to the ER doctor, I was like, what do you want me to do with that? (laughs) (laughs) What do you want from me? So can I just clarify, was this accidental? It was, it was, 
So it was not accidental, uh, albeit the patient came up with a pretty good cover. Well, not a good cover story. It was it was a bad one, but uh, a cover story to make it, you know, oftentimes patients will do cover stories to, yeah, you know, yeah. hide, you know, the the, the real story. So um, it was pretty, it yes, yeah. something like I I hit it on something and ah, it just fell off, you know, something like yeah. that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you don't, that doesn't happen two days ago. And then you decide to walk into the ER two days later, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was, um, so anyway, I mean, this patient was, um, completely, uh, with it mentally. There was not, this was not a psychotic break. Right. Um, um, so, but any case I had to phone a friend of many friends. <laughs> I was like, give me five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> okay. Let me get back to you. Let me call. So I like, messaged every urologist i knew <laughs> called my have you guys mentor. got like a whatsapp group like mayday <laughs> mayday <laughs> we, we do have groups like that yes i have whatsapp group urologists i have facebook group urologists i have urologists. <laughs> yes yes I love it. it's great you know uh we need this and so i once i like got my plan together okay i was like okay 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 call the er back i was like okay let's book the surgery so i can you know so uh anyway that was definitely one of those rare things that you know, dealing with an amputated um, genit genitalia. Um, so, sorry, can I just ask? Did you reattach? Like, no, no, no. There was no reattaching. Okay. First of all, it was two days later. No. The penis was okay. nowhere to be found. Um, <laughs> it wasn't uh, like in like a doggy bag no. with ice. You know, yeah, people do it with their toes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. No, we didn't. He didn't bring it in. We didn't ask. We didn't ask what ask for was it. done with it. No, no just no, like yeah. Sew it up. Sew yeah. It up. So, but I had to fix the urethra, like the 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 where we pee out of. Right. You know, it was cut off, but it's not going to. It had to. It had to be fixed, or it would just scar yeah. closed. Um, it wouldn't be functional, then you'd have a problem because you wouldn't be able to pee. Yeah. So I had to fix that, you know, with what was left there. So that's what I had to do. I'm in awe of you. Yeah, that is <laughs> remarkable. I mean, I just love it as well. Oh. You can turn up to work and be like, hey, guess what, guys? I'm going to fix this today because somebody's taking yeah. the penis off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with that. You yeah, sleep yes. so well <laughs> knowing that you've done this for somebody. Yes. Oh yeah. my yeah. God. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm in shock. Was... I'm looking at my list of questions and I'm like, I didn't expect I that answer at all. I wasn't ready for that. It was um, definitely one of those cases after surgery that I was like, okay, I'm kind of the shit. Like, I did yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. I pat myself yeah, on the back. Did. Like, I'm done. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Okay. So I suppose. I don't know how to segue that. Oh, you're just going to do we it. Could, okay. What we could move on to, I suppose, is then that obviously that was something that we kind of haven't heard of before and weren't expecting. I think the main thing that drew us to, to you and what we kind of initially thought we were going to ask you about mostly was, um, was bladder Botox. Yes. I think it was Claudia. You mentioned it to me first, didn't you? I did. Yes. I uh, found a doctor and she does this thing and she's really <laughs> good. So we should talk to yeah. her. No. We need to message her on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, my, my friend has recently had bladder Botox and it has changed her life. She's just so happy, but I don't fully understand what it is. Could you please explain it to us? Yeah, of course. So we know Botox to be cosmetic Botox, right? People get Botox yeah. for wrinkles and their face. By the way, I have some Botox in my face and I you, love you it. Look, Addicted. Say, you look fantastic. <laughs> you do look sensational. It's, it's very upsetting. Yeah. 
I had to put that in because I just got on the Botox, cosmetic Botox train. And I'm like, I see why I people see. are addicted to this. <laughs> Do you, can you just take it from work? Can you just like... <laughs> right, be like, a little for you, a little for the doctor. <laughs> yeah, like Oprah handing out, like, you get a Botox, you get a Botox. Yeah, right, yeah. So... Bladder Botox, though, I've been doing for for years and years, um, but bladder Botox is, Botox basically is a natural paralytic, okay? So if you inject it into a muscle and your bladder is a muscle, it'll, it'll naturally like, um, I hate to use the word paralyze it, but it's, you know, somewhat paralyzing the bladder. And why would you want to paralyze the bladder? That sounds like a terrible thing, doctor. Well, patients who have overactive bladder, where they don't have control as soon as they have to pee, it's already like coming. Um, their bladder's just contracting unintentionally. Patients who have what we call neurogenic bladder, so patients who suffer with MS or have um, a spinal cord injury or some sort of neurologic condition that has now affected their bladder as well, um, can have these overactive bladder control issues. And so by using Botox, which is a temporary paralytic, it can actually regain uh, control. Okay. And we can um, decrease this, uh, the amount of leakages de- uh, associated with urgency and overactive bladder. We can make the bladder hold more with the Botox. It can increase bladder capacity. And in neurogenic bladder patients, which some of which have high bladder pressures, which can actually lead to kidney damage, we can lower the pressures in their bladder with Botox, okay? Um, and so Botox is super quick, easy, uh, medicine to deliver. Um, I do it in my office. Patient is awake. It literally takes me like, I think I recorded myself one time, two minutes to actually oh, wow. do the injection. Yep. We do it through a camera, which we call a cystoscope. It goes in where you pee out of. Um, and I can boop, 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 inject the bladder in multiple different areas. Um, most patients will get a standard 100 units, but some patients will need more. Um, and it usually lasts for about six months on average. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, you know, just like when you get cosmetic Botox, Botox anywhere, there's Botox used in all sorts of things in medicine, by the way. Um, yeah, I've heard of the one under the armpit. Like in the yeah. Armpit. For sweating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for uh, like a hyperactive that. sweating, they, they do Botox for migraines. They can do Botox for like patients who have chronic cough, um, wow. Botox for patients who have like spasmic, um, limbs. Um, or something called torticollis, where your your kind of neck is just at, uh, kind of uh, in a tight position. So Botox is used in a lot of medical things, and and so um, yeah. So we in most of most of these conditions, it's a it's a repeat injection. I think all of them uh, repeat injection because it doesn't last. Um, but it's uh, easy enough um, that like your friend, it can be life changing. You know, yeah. for my patients that are like having great response with Botox, when I see them they're like, happy day. You know, this is, you know, I'm getting my Botox now. I'll see you in six months, doc. So, yeah. yeah. And is it, is it expensive for patients in the U.S. to get it? It can be. Um, it is covered by most insurance plans, particularly if okay. you, but you've had, you can't just like walk into your allergy, be like, I, I want to have Botox. Um, most patients won't, it won't get covered unless they've tried a medication and it hasn't worked you've tried things that were less expensive and it hasn't worked and then but it isn't considered 
cosmetic. It's not like a cosmetic type of thing. It's a medical condition. Um, certainly not all insurance covers it. And then it can be, even though it's covered, it can be expensive. Like I've had patients who are like, oh no, they want me to pay a thousand dollars every time for this. Yeah. And that's not going to be feasible for yeah. most people. Um, so I wish it was even cheaper, but um, it's, yeah. it's fairly reasonable. And for something that can be super life-changing, it uh, can be a, a, a procedure that's worth some of the dollars that's attached yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I know if you know, you're saying it doesn't last forever, but six months is a long time, you know, that's yeah. just twice, twice a year, you're not having to do something every single day. Um, so mm. I think that kind of definitely sounds sort of worth it. Um, and, and you're saying that's, that's not the first point of call, there would be other things that you would need to try beforehand. Um, what, what are those things that they might try? Did you, you mentioned medication? Yeah. So, t so for overactive bladder patients in particular, we usually want them to try behavioral changes like, okay, I tried to cut out all the, all the Starbucks or all the other coffee or the, uh, you know, the teas and the, uh, sodas or, um, you know, maybe physical therapy or work on your pelvic floor strengthening. Um, these are all behavioral changes that, um, might need to be documented. And even if they're not documented that I personally, as a good urologist will, um, kind of uh, instill in my patients. And then medications, there's a, a slew of overactive bladder medications that work by trying to limit the unintended contractions of the bladder that can lead to control issues. And so I will um, try a person on a medication for about a month to six weeks, because it can take that long to see if it works. And if that doesn't work, I may try another one. Well, probably I usually will try at least one or at least two. And if after two medications, things aren't working, that's when a, I'll talk to a patient about something like Botox or there's other options, even be um, alternatives to Botox in some of these patients. There's a sacral neuromodulation, which is like a pacemaker-like device that's implanted uh, wow. in you to help control your bladder. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people don't know about that either. So yeah. oh, that's an option too. So I'll, tend to talk to patients about that after they've tried those those medications and and from bladder to urethra i don't know i don't know the insides if that's the way i'm just moving yes. my hand um, <laughs> you're doing we good have to ask thank you i'm ready for surgery tomorrow um, we, have, we have to ask you because i think I mean, i'm sure you get asked about it all the time but it's something that you know fascinates quite a lot of people what are some of the things that you have maybe removed in surgery from people's <laughs> urethras? <laughs> oh, I have yeah. to know. Well, okay, please, people. Um, urethral <laughs> sounding, putting things in your urethra if you're, I don't know, uh, whether you're bored, whether you're curious, whether it's sexually pleasing, whether it's a dare, whether it's whatever, you're asking for trouble because <laughs> some of these things we can't get out easily. And so we literally will have to slice open your bladder to get it out oh, or, or like cut your urethra to get it out and then what okay so please do not try this at home ever listen uh, to the doctor listen listen so fortunately far more people put things up their rectum than they put up their urethra so, thank god uh, thank That's god because i don't because <laughs> they don't call me for those exactly um 
I this have... is just another WhatsApp group, the real yeah. rectal surgeons are yeah. like SOS block. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, my general surgery colleagues will totally, they tell me about their, their debacles. <laughs> um, but just recently, it's so funny in my practice, this, yeah, this is so funny because I knew we were doing this podcast and just Friday, just Friday, <sighs> my partner SOS, all of us like, hey, anybody know how to get the, like the lever part of the toenail clip or the nail clipper, you know, the part that you press down, somebody yeah, like took yes. it apart from the nail clipper and put it in the urethra. What? <laughs> oh, no. So he's like, anybody know how to do that? And I was like, oh my God, I, you know, we were sending him like, you know, we're mostly, mostly we were just laughing and like <laughs> offering no help. I can imagine the gifts being sent, the memes, like, you're screwed. Yeah, good luck, like, you know. So, um, fortunately, he was able to, like, milk it out and, like, grab it quickly, yes. That's amazing. If that thing had gotten in far enough, I don't even, like, honestly, I'm trying to imagine, there's not instruments that we have designed to remove something like that. So you would literally have to slice open this guy's urethra or something. And that's like a major, major operation. Last week, it was a glue stick in the urethra. Why people? Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, obviously I would never, I wouldn't do that, but it's kind of just perfect, isn't it? I mean, it is. is. You just really see the thought process with that one. Yes, (laughs) perfectly fits in and perfectly a pain in the ass to get out. Yes. Yes. Um, Beads are a popular thing, like Mardi Gras beads or other beads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard of these other things, um, like the inside of a pen pen insert, um, the 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 end of a fork. Um, See, I find this amazing because every time I speak to my my boyfriend about about this, his (laughs) about what you want put up yours, no, what I'm gonna put up yours. No, just kidding. Um, But like, um, I I think it was we talking about like IVF and how. Um, somebody had to have something down, a man had to have something to, in his urethra. urethra every yeah. single time we talk about this, he goes, oh, I can't imagine anything else. Ooh, 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 ooh. He's actually quite annoying about it, but I just can't <laughs> imagine like somebody actively wanting to do that to themselves. I mean, do you have to have those conversations with your patients or do you just basically, you, do, no. you, don't, you know, don't ask, don't tell, just sort we out. Don't, in no, yeah. it's, okay. We don't, no. We don't go into like, well, what possessed you? It's yeah. just like, okay, like, <laughs> please just don't do this again just don't do it again tell okay, all yeah, your yeah. friends don't do this you know yeah they're pretty they like I think the nail clipper person like made again made up some story like how it was an accident some kind of way but you know you're you know it's not an accident oh. <laughs> come on guys there's the cinema there's bowling there's all these things you can do in your spare time we don't yeah. need to do this yes ice skating you break on a pair of perfectly good nail clippers what a waste that's the biggest the real tragedy <laughs> oh god and how has the last year or so been for you Fenor and the pandemic like how much has this affected you pulling things out of people's <laughs> yeah so the pandemic sucked for like elective I mean it brought elective surgery to a halt um last year and there was a time probably like a two and a half month stretch maybe almost three month stretch where I literally was like twiddling twiddling my thumbs in the office seeing 
two, three, four patients, and then doing almost no surgery. All, all a lot, like I was saying in the beginning, I do a lot of quality of life surgery. So these are all considered elective type procedures. And so right. majority of my practice <clears throat> surgical wise was just like cut off. Um, the only surgeries I would be doing were like the emergency stuff. And it's stuff like that. <laughs> like, here, take this thing out of my urethra or, you know, take this giant stone and, you know, yay, that's, you know, urology, it's something, but it's not like my love. <laughs> yeah. So I was, it was, it, it got to a point where I was like, this is not fun work, actually. Um, it's not fun. I mean, that's, I, so that was that side, like work was not fun at all because it was barely anything. And I wasn't doing what I liked, not the type of urology I liked, but on the flip side of things, I spent a lot of time with my family. We were having like tons of like coronavirus, uh, not coronavirus, sorry, quarantine parties at, in the family, not coronavirus parties. Someone's got the the pinata. Coronavirus for you, for you. Coughing every. Yeah. Quarantine family party. So just my family. Yes. Yeah. Uh, quarantine uh, uh, family. My, my husband actually like concocted this great drink uh, that he made oh, during yes. the pandemic. And he now he we call it the quarantini at my house. And it is so freaking good. It is like what's it in is, a quarantini. It's not even a martini. So it's like no vodka. It's basically um, he won't tell me the whole thing because he doesn't want me to know. Oh, he wants to be. Oh, OK. Yes. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. he's like, I'll have to kill you. If I so uh, Grand Marier, um, yeah. it has Makers 46. I'm a whiskey uh, girl. Ooh. It has uh, black cherries, which make it so like it just add perfect flavor and a little bit of sweetness yes and i think it has like seven up or something else i again he won't tell me the whole whole recipe but it's great well, so lots of quarantine don't worry <laughs> we've got fenoir's husband actually coming on next week for our episode <laughs> purely to talk through the quarantine and that is a yes. doctor recommended <laughs> definitely yes um but the quarantine the last thing that the, that pandemic has done is it I wouldn't even be here with you guys today without the pandemic because yeah. I was able to grow my social media presence. I mean, I had kind of like, just like, eh, I'll just play around with it before the pandemic. And then with the pandemic, I had all this free time and I was able to fellowship with the network of other doctors who are, who are doing the same thing, trying to educate the public, trying to um, change the narrative, especially as it um, meets, as it talks about representation and marginalized um, individuals and particularly in the wake of George Floyd, um, really using our voices. And so I've grown and, um, I'm, I, it's really exciting. And now it's like my, like my, it's become like a passion that I didn't even, um, I started off as kind of like a slight, slight hobby. Now it's become like this own, its own like, uh, passion outside of work. So amazing. And it's, mm -hmm. it's so good. I mean, that, I mean, Thank this you. is how we found you. I, I, I went down a hole. I was there for, you know, your finger starts to get a bit tired because you're just scrolling and scrolling. What what has been the response that you've had? I mean, both, to, obviously, you've got, uh, our listeners, you, you have to check it out because it's, it's just brilliant. And obviously, you've got the kind of TikTok videos that lean more towards medicine side that, I mean, what was the one I wrote down for this? Oh, it was oh, where you had this song, <laughs> Up and Stuck. Yes. And you were talking, explaining about prolonged and unwanted erections. It's just genius. Like, it's just... It's so, so clever. Good. 
But then obviously, like you said, in the wake of George Floyd, you had a lot more information about black history mm-hmm. and microaggressions within medicine. What, what has been the responses that you've had from people looking at your, your social media feed? Fortunately, it's been like overwhelmingly, like almost unanimously positive Uh, patient people will. I love getting like DMs from people like, oh, my gosh, you are so inspiring. You are your authentic like self as a fellow minority or woman. I feel empowered by you. Um, You know, you guys can't see me, but not only am I a black woman, I'm a a black woman with locks or dreadlocks. I also have a nose ring. I'm also dark skin. And I'm like, I am all the things that they told me growing up were not professional, were not desirable, were not gonna get me anywhere. And so I I am very um, outward about these things um, because uh, we are fortunately um, evolving and growing and and all of us are learning that the best parts of us are when we are authentic, um, whatever that is, you know what I'm saying? And that, uh, you know, obviously black, um, and marg- and other marginalized people have a voice and have something to say and have value and um, deserve that. And so it's been yes. overwhelmingly positive, not only from like the social media side of things, like my followers and, you know, um, other uh, people on social media. But one thing I get asked a lot is like, oh, well, what about like your uh, your colleagues and the people <laughs> who know you in real life, like, your, you know, the people at, yeah. at work? Um, and that, and they, they love it. Like they, they, they love it. Um, they, uh, one of my, the president of our group, um, I was having a conversation with him, uh, like a few couple months ago and he was like, yeah, and you're so just, you know, just yourself and you just have a way of just kind of just saying what's on your mind, but in a way that like gets people to actually like think about it and this and that and, and how did you get like that? And I was like, you know, it's it really, I was not, I definitely was raised to be like prim, you know, proper, watch what you say, like conform, you know, you don't want to stick out. I mean, this was just kind of um, the, and especially as an immigrant, you know, the way that mm-hmm. we need to assimilate. So we need to, and I think just going through, um, you get to go through adulthood and you start to see things differently. Um, you go through, I talk about some of the microaggressions that I've experienced in medicine. Um, and then just like seeing different types of people and talking to them and learning your own and, and, and becoming and having learning your own self-worth um, and your own self-identity. That's how, you know, what you, what you guys see now is, a work that's been in progress for a long time, that's still in progress, that's still developing. So I'm just really happy that it's been um, a very positive, um, a very positive uh, response. It isn't easy to be a physician and speak on things outside of medicine, right? It's almost like yeah. stay in your lane. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Why are you talking about? Um, racism and why are you talking about sexism and why are you talking about politics and why are you doing this and like you know particularly because obviously as a physician I'm treating every patient the same regardless of their beliefs or backgrounds even if they're completely opposite of mine you know it's at the end of the day like I'm here to do to to help you and not to do harm Um, but I also am a person who is going to have opinions and and stances that I want to make clear. I will not be silent about these things. Um, And so it's been great to make that kind of like 
and I, when I first started my Instagram, I thought I wasn't going to be that way. I was like, I have these opinions and stuff, but I'm just going to like try to be neutral. But too much stuff happened that yes. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, so, like I was like, f this. The world is lost its goddamn mind, <laughs> and I like <laughs> so. No, yes. ab- absolutely, and you know, it's what you said was really interesting. You know. I'm in medicine, you know, you've got to stay in your lane or whatever. But actually, you know, racism and sexism exist everywhere. So mm-hmm. it's definitely going to exist within medicine. And you're yes. in medicine. So in a way, it's almost the perfect place to talk about it, actually, because you can yeah. speak to your own personal experiences. And it's so yeah. wonderful as well that as a result of, well, not probably not just your social media, but actually what you do in your own day-to-day life, that you are now becoming the representation for other people in the way that the original lecture was for you um and i just think that is such a such an empowering um, and positive thing um so yeah just just congratulations (laughs) it's just so thank you it's amazing um we do like to share um a funny toilet tale or story (laughs) on our podcast at the end of our interviews you don't have to share one but if did you have any that uh that that came to mind sure so I have a funny, I have two, like one is a funny one, like, I guess as a physician or trainee and another one is a more personal one. So I'll start with the physician or trainee one. So <laughs> I, in residency, I'm um, doing a cystoscopy in the operating room. So a cystoscopy is when we take a camera and we look inside the urethra and the bladder. And it's um, in a patient of, uh, not mine, cause I'm just the resident learning, but my attending and um, a female patient. And um, I'm doing, I'm like, look, I get into the bladder and I'm like looking around and I guess I'm moving the camera and I move the scope and I don't even realize that I accidentally moved the scope into something else. So I'm in something else and I'm like, oh, where do these bladder stones come from? Oh, wow, this patient has a lot of bladder stones. (gasps) And my attending is behind me. He like, he's like, now he's by, he's like, he looks and then he's like, you're in the rectum. (laughs) That's poop you're looking at. (laughs) That's stool. So the worst sat nav ever, like. Turn left. Turn oh, left. I mean, yeah, like I t- like took a left turn someplace, got <laughs> lost. And... <laughs> You're like, I need to get moved onto this other WhatsApp group now. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Doing a whole new graduated. Group. <laughs> yes. So he, like my attending, like ran out of the room and told every person that he like why, like told like the janitor, told the nurse, so, like listen to what she did, told everybody, like. <laughs> Oh my God, you know, the, look what this resident did. So anyway, no harm was caused by to the patient. Um, got that scope, took that out, got another one and put it back in the right place. And we got a clean well. one. Yeah. Yes, all was well. Yeah. So that was a funny one. Um, and then like, I too have shat myself too. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I was, I like, I, I was, this is when my daughter was young um, and we were, I was putting her in the bath and I was getting in the shower. And so I'm putting her in the bath, I get naked and put it, and she goes, she's behind me. I'm like getting stuff done, ready. She's like, there's poop on your butt. And I'm like, what, what did this girl just say? There's poop <laughs> on your butt. You don't, you don't know what you're talking about, we're, sweetheart. We're not related. Like, <laughs> you don't know. So then I go look and I wipe and it's like, yeah, like I literally had this like incontinent smear i have no idea what happened i don't remember it happening i didn't 
I didn't like fart as far as like you know like a, a shark Not like me yeah oh no, I just don't know where it came from I was like okay well perfect time to have a shower exactly exactly so does your daughter remember this or was she too little oh god I hope not yeah <laughs> I've been like, this is how shush like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be sure to get her details as well. Yeah. She can go on the next episode. Yeah, so we've got cocktails next week. And then we'll yeah. talk yeah, about just... that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Perfect. Oh, Benoit, thank you, thank so, you so, much. so much for coming on a podcast. You are just fabulous in every sense of the word. Thank, thank you, you so ladies. much. You guys, are, you guys are fabulous. I love this. This is a very empowering uh, podcast. You guys are normalizing these things that um, can be mm. quite... Uh, embarrassing and affecting patients and you're making it in a way that um, gives them some humanity and some dignity and normalizing that this is not normal but it's okay and yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep. absolutely yeah. oh thank you yeah. so much that's incredibly yeah. kind you're thank you so much thank you so have so, a good so, evening so have a good night you thank you have a good day bye bye, bye. bye lovely bye stop what you're doing let's talk about pooing Okay, so, I mean, as if there weren't enough stories from Dr. Fenwar there, we're going to give you one more because we love you. It's the Toilet Tales section and we've got another cracker this week. Read out by our resident reader, Evie Killip. Tell us, what's in the bum book this week, my darling? Well, I just don't think that anybody's over any of dr millhouse's stories to be honest absolutely <laughs> batshit insane. i will think about that seven penis until at least next yeah, Tuesday. exactly it's very specific oh. um but i do have one that's been sent in to us now go for it i do know this person but i will not tell you who they are yeah. but i remember this happening and i'm glad that we have it now to tell so i shall read it now so they okay. say The offending day occurred around three years ago when I was working for a PR company that represented a well-known playwright. The playwright had on a new piece of theatre and I was asked to go to the press night on behalf of the company. I was very excited because I'd been a big fan of the playwright for years and I would be sitting next to her during the show. Whilst I wanted us to be best friends, I also knew that it was integral that I kept an air of professionalism and offered general support during what was bound to be a relatively anxious evening for her. Press night is always exciting, but the the critics publish their reviews almost immediately, so it can often cause nerves all round. On this occasion, I was not exempt from the nerves myself because I was anxious about meeting the playwright, I didn't want to make a fool of myself and I also felt nervous because I was going to a professional theatre trip representing the business by myself for the first time. I was late finishing work that day and I dashed to the local KFC for some quick food before I legged it from Oxford Circus to the West End. Covering my fried chicken breath, wiping away the sweat on my face (laughs) and combing my hair with my sticky fingers... I arrived at the theatre and I collected the tickets. The playwright was on time and we met at exactly the right time and place that had been arranged. We chatted, got on well and vibes were good. Perfect. I feel like the vibes are going to get worse. What do you think, Evie? Oh, that's a really good suggestion. I think that they (laughs) might, yes. It was from then 
that I experienced a familiar crashing pain in the old tum, presumably the KFC snowballing on from the nerves, and I suddenly realised I very, very urgently needed the loo. The playwright was mid-anecdote, and we were getting on so well that I didn't want to seem abrupt, so when she paused momentarily to take breath, I told her I needed to go to the loo before the light I gotta go down. to the toilet! <laughs> Great, me too, I'll come with you! <gasps> Christ, the one time I was desperate to get away from my hero, she wouldn't leave me alone. I knew what was going to follow in the toilet, but she carried on her story whilst we went into adjacent cubicles. The orchestra of poo noises, as I tried not to moan, wasn't the ideal soundscape to her chatter, and I noticed her becoming more and more quiet. I heard the flush and her say, Perhaps I'll just meet you at the seats. I could have died. She didn't mention it when I got to my place, but there wasn't much chat between us after that, and when the play ended, I congratulated her, and I took myself home as fast as my legs could carry me. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Do you know what, though? That's on the playwright. That's not on you. Like, if I I was in that scenario and somebody was clearly having diarrhoea next to me yes i would i would definitely then stop being like anyway i would definitely do what she did and say i'll meet you at the seat but then once you get there you i would really want to make that person feel at ease after having gone through that i know but that's you and me claude's like somebody else somebody else might go i don't want to embarrass them by bringing it up i just won't mention it but then it's a bit Stay but then, but then, when they got to their seat, you, just you pretend. Would, yeah, yeah, you would keep talking. You, you yeah. wouldn't want to make them. F- oh, that's yeah. horrible. But then, I guess if the play's starting and there's no real appropriate time to kind of pick up from the chat, and awkward. there's nothing you can do about the noise. Like, I mean, obviously, you can put as we've spoken about before. You know, the the, the bit of parachute. Tissue, uh, yeah, the parachute. Mm. Um, that lifesaver as a parachute. But if it's if it's squirts and pumps and trumps and, and all that stuff then you're fucked yeah you, you are, are fucked. the thing is as well when i know that's going to happen especially in theater toilets for um people who identify as women there are never many cubicles and you can't get toilets a toilet seat far away but the fact right. that she w- not only went close she actually went to the adjacent cubicle and also she, nothing you know worse i hate it and she kept talking to her i know that I, I'm sorry, if I don't know somebody, if I'd literally just met them, I don't think I would talk to Chat, them while they yeah. were on the toilet. Yeah. But they, they, but then, had it been any other time, it sounds like this person would have loved that because they wanted them to be best friends. She was making an effort. They were getting along. I mean, who doesn't want a nice, friendly chat underneath a cubicle door? We all want company. But that, I can't even imagine. Losing the, uh, the friendship, the potential admiration of your idol... Because of diarrhea, because of KFC, that's upsetting. It would be awful, and then I'd be so pissed off because, like, with nerves, there's only so much you can blame for yourself. Because, like, there's nothing really to be done there. I would go back in my head. Why did you get KFC? Why, why, why? Over and over, and it's just a lot of self-blame and guilt comes in there. Never forgive yourself. Oh well, never forgive the Colonel. The Colonel. What an episode. Um, right. That was terrible. Um. Well, what an episode. I've loved this episode. I, yeah, me too. Everything about it. I have to give a massive thank you to our guest, Dr. Fenwar Milhouse, who I'm in love with. Like, I'm just going to yeah. say it. Guys. I think I think I would kiss Fenwar. Oh, let me also, let me double check um, what her Instagram is because you all need to. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention um, it. 
Okay, so her Instagram is Dr. Millhouse. Um, M, that's M-I-L-H-O-U-S-E. And you've just got to check her out. She Not only are you going to stand her because she's so beautiful and you won't be able mm. to look away like an eclipse, mm. but genuinely her videos are, they're really informative. I learned a lot and laughed a lot. She's funny. Just, okay, we all want to be her. Rounder. I can't, can't bear it. Um, but huge thank you to her for coming for coming on and across the other side of the world. Big time. What a star. What a star. Um, and if you would like any of your, like as if it's a fucking ambition of yours, but if you'd like us to read any of your toilet tales out, then please do email us. Uh, we are at the the poodcastofficial at gmail.com and on Instagram or Twitter, we are at the underscore poodcast. Um, so please do send us in your shitty stories we love them they're good we do and thank you for listening thank you goodbye bye